Hi besties, happy Monday. I hope y'all are having an amazing day so far. Um, well, my neighbor's fire alarm's going off, so hopefully that's not anything bad. But anyways, this past week has been a roller coaster of emotions and um, let's talk, really. I have been having a lot of fun with my internship, which is sadly almost coming to an end. I only have a few weeks left and I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss everyone there and everyone that has just opened these doors for me. This past week, I got to sit in on an edit for a story that I helped with and it was just, it was fun. You know, I was in the room and I was kind of like, wait, maybe I wanna be an editor. Cause it's just so cool seeing a story come to life. You know, you see all the pieces come together and then it's like this beautiful final product that you can be proud of. And I love that. I definitely want to tap into the editing world and see how that feels. As for next semester, I still don't know what I'm gonna do. I've applied to internships and I'm praying to God that I get one, but if I don't, that's okay too, because I'm going to have a heavier school load next semester and I definitely need to prioritize that. So I'll definitely keep you updated on that. Speaking of school, how the hell are there only like three weeks left? Didn't we just start? We have this week, which is only like two days because then we have Thanksgiving, the week after, and then it's basically finals. Like what? What do you mean? Hold on. I was not ready for that. I am nervous. I'm nervous for next semester because the spring semester is always so much longer than the fall. And then you're there and you're like, okay, are we almost done yet? It's like, no, you have like three months left. It's like, great. And then finals are always around my birthday, which is the worst part. It's like, can't even enjoy myself. And I'm gonna be 21. So I can't even celebrate until after finals. <sighs> I don't know. It's fine. It's not really a big deal. Just complaining for fun. <laughs> okay, besties, today is a glorious day. Today is the day that I finally get trained on the Omnipod 5 pump. I am so excited. I am meeting with the trainer this evening and I'm talking as if it is Monday, okay? So if you're listening to this on a different day, pretend this is Monday the 21st. I am finally getting trained and I cannot wait. I am so excited to start this new insulin pump. I'm a little bit nervous, but mostly excited. I think it's gonna be really good and it's definitely gonna help me a lot with managing my blood sugars and I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm a little bit nervous about the whole process of the needle and how it works because I saw someone say that it lags sometimes. I don't know, but I'm really looking forward to it and I will definitely keep you updated on how that goes and eventually I'll make a podcast episode with my experience using the Tandem versus the Omnipod and which one I prefer personally. Lastly, I just wanted to kind of talk for a little bit. I know last week's episode was pretty heavy and um, if you were able to get through it all, congrats, I'm proud because it was it was a tough one. And I know there was a lot being talked about. We can open up that conversation another time, but I think today we just want to kind of slow it down a bit, <laughs> you know? And I am definitely ready to relax. I, I need a break. I've been so anxious and busy and it's just been a lot. I've been on the go. I haven't had a break. I can't remember the last time I slept in, but I am trying my best to work on patience 
and understanding and just kind of going with the flow, which is something I'm really bad at because I'm a person who literally like has a routine for everything, has a schedule, like an itinerary for each and every day. So I'm working on kind of slowing down and just taking each day, one day at a time. Alrighty, let's get right on into today's topic. We're going to be talking about the amazing life-saving drug that is insulin. Yeah. By definition, insulin is a naturally occurring hormone made by your pancreas that helps your body use sugar for energy. If your pancreas doesn't work as it should, it won't make or release insulin you need to control your blood sugars, which results in diabetes. And diabetes is a condition in which your body doesn't make enough insulin or your body doesn't use insulin correctly. In people with type 1 diabetes, the pancreas no longer makes insulin. So the beta cells have been destroyed and they need insulin shots to use glucose from meals. So my beta cells were destroyed as much as possible. (laughs) Basically, I got an infection and my body turned on itself. So that ended up killing my beta cells. And that's what triggered my type 1 diabetes. For people with type 2, they can make insulin, but their bodies just don't respond well to it. So they will have pills or insulin shots, but they don't have to have insulin as frequently as a type 1, normally. According to the interwebs, insulin moves glucose from your blood into cells all over your body. So the glucose comes from both food and your body's own natural release of stored glucose. So I think I've mentioned before that stress, um, adrenaline can release glucose as like a response and that can also raise your blood sugar because it's sugar in your blood. Without enough insulin, glucose can't get into your cells. So instead it builds up in your blood, which causes hyperglycemia, otherwise known as high blood sugars. The glucose is trying to like break into the cell and that's what the insulin helps it do. And if you're not doing that, then you're just going to be in pain because the sugar will stay in your blood and that's not good. Okie dokie. Now let's get into the different types of insulin and the different forms of it that people use. Firstly, insulin can be injected using an insulin pen or vial and needle. You can also receive doses through an insulin pump, which is what I have. And lastly, you can inhale insulin. But that isn't really something I see too often. Most types of insulin are injectable, either through a needle, pen, or pump. Some types of insulin start to work quickly and wear off after a few hours, which is referred to as bolus or mealtime insulin because you may take them before a meal. Other types of insulin may take longer to reach your bloodstream and work for as long as a day or two, which is referred to as basal or background insulin. I've recently been on pen therapy, but as I mentioned, I'm starting my new pump today. But when I am on pens, I inject bolus or fast-acting insulin before I eat and to correct my high blood sugars. And then I inject basal or I call it long-lasting insulin once every morning to help stabilize my blood sugars throughout the day over a 24-hour period. When I'm on an insulin pump, the pump is able to manage both doses for me. Insulin pumps only use fast-acting insulin, but slowly release insulin throughout the day as well as a sort of replacement for the basal insulin. So I'm not injecting two different types of insulin into my body. I'm solely using fast-acting insulin, but pumps are programmed to where they will like release a steady basal rate throughout the day and a replacement for that long-lasting insulin. So basically, I just need to tell the pump when I'm eating how many carbs I'm eating, and then it does this super cool technology stuff, which is basically just fancy math to count how much insulin I need for that meal. It also connects to my Dexcom, which is my CGM, continuous glucose monitor, in order to help curb high blood sugars. Fast-acting insulin, or bolus, begins to work within 5 to 20 minutes, and it keeps working for 3 to 5 hours. 
Usually it peaks about an hour or two after you inject it. Just depends on your body. And then as for long-lasting insulin or basal insulin, it takes about an hour to reach your bloodstream and start working, but it peaks between 3 and 14 hours after injection, and it lasts up to a day. So I also reached out to my fr- a friend of mine. His name is David, and he's currently studying at UC Davis. We went to high school together, and he's really smart. I mean, it's incredible. I love seeing people of color just showing and dominating in their space and showing up for the, their community. Now, if you know me, you know I don't really understand science-related stuff, but whenever he explains it, it actually clicks in my brain. So shout out to David. Thank you for explaining these things that I otherwise would not have understood. And y'all better remember his name because he's going to change the world of medicine one day. I promise. I'll put his Insta in the episode's description if you guys want to give him a follow. But anyways, this is what I learned from him. Okay, so I don't really know a lot of, like, sciencey words. Um, science was my least favorite subject in school. And I actually had to take, like, AP science and, like, honors and AP sciences because of, like, college reasons. But I was miserable in every single one of them. Actually, except for physics. Physics was the only science class I ever enjoyed. But kudos to you who understand science and enjoy it because we need those people. It just simply was never going to be me. I'm going to explain this the best that I can in almost word for word the way that he did because it makes most sense that way. Um, I hope you can follow along. So I kind of reached out to David and was just asking him a couple questions about how the body processes carbs because in my head it's different for a diabetic and a non-diabetic because I don't produce my own insulin but a non-diabetic does and this was his response. The body processes carbohydrates the same. When saying this, he is referring to the conversion of carbohydrates into glucose using the same enzymes in a diabetic and a non-diabetic. The problem is the efficiency for using the glucose in that blood as energy. The best thing to remember is to eat small healthy meals throughout the day and to eat foods where you are going to have a constant release of glucose into the blood instead of having an immediate large spike. So when you're a diabetic, honestly, whether or not you're a diabetic, but specifically for diabetics, it's important to watch how your blood sugar reacts to certain foods. I know that some foods, particularly white grains, um, spike my blood sugar immediately and drastically, whereas something like vegetables, you know, it's kind of like a slow release of glucose and I don't see that spike. So that's what he means by eating the small healthy meals. You know, and it's like, of course, I'm going to go out and have Chick-fil-A once in a while. Like, no one's going to stop me from doing that. But I also have to remember that I do need to eat as healthy as possible to kind of keep my body controlled. Because if I keep having these, like, roller coaster highs and lows, then it's just going to hurt my body and it's not going to feel very good. So that's something that I watch out for personally. And I think that it's good for anyone to take care of themselves that way. But specifically for diabetics, because, you know, we have to inject the insulin ourselves and it doesn't just work automatically like others bodies do and then further on that topic i continue to ask him a little bit more about what foods may spike a little bit faster than others or just how different foods impact blood sugar and this is what he said foods that are going to release glucose into the blood more slowly are the non-starchy vegetables the other foods that will also have a slow release will be foods that are high in fats like cheese avocados milk and yogurts which is often why you hear a lot about diabetics going on a keto diet, you know, because it's high fat, low carb. 
And I actually asked David about that, and he said that the keto diet's not necessarily bad for you, but too much of anything can be. So if you're strictly on high fats and low carbs for like a long period of time, it's going to start to affect your body. And carbs aren't bad for you. Carbs are not bad. And I'm a diabetic, and I'm telling you, carbs are not bad for you. Your body needs them. Your body needs the energy promise. Going back to what David was saying, other foods that are going to have a slow release are foods with a lot of fiber, like rice, pasta, oatmeal, etc. But the thing is, with those meals, they might also spike your blood sugar. I think that they have a slow release, but personally, for my body, I've realized that they're not low glycemic. So while they might have a lot of fiber, because it's it's not necessarily low glycemic, it will spike your blood sugar. For those of you who don't really know what the glycemic index is, it doesn't just apply to diabetics. Anyone can refer to it. A low GI would be below 55, mediums between 56 and 69, and high GI is above 70. So when it comes to pasta, oatmeal, rice, they're considered medium to high GI. And so that's why I wouldn't necessarily say that those are going to give you a slow release. I think that um, in the diabetic body that it's going to be a bit more rapid. It also depends on the kind though, of course, you know, like I'm looking at this index right now and it says that something such as sweet potatoes has almost 20 points less than oatmeal on this glycemic index. So, you know, it just depends on what kind of starch or grain that you're eating because Sweet potato has a lower glycemic index than a regular potato. And then also vegetables, they tend to be on the lower side of the glycemic index while fruits are on the higher side. It doesn't just matter how many carbs are in a meal, but also what glycemic index those individual foods have, because that also plays a part into how it'll affect your blood sugar. Other foods that are high in fiber and low glycemic are like chickpeas, broccoli, lentils, avocado, that sort of stuff. Okay, but anyways, back to what we were talking about with David. The foods that are going to increase the blood sugar a little bit faster are the starchy vegetables like corn, potatoes, regular potatoes, baked beans, fruits, and white breads. And again, when we say bread, I'm looking at this index and it's like, white breads are obviously higher on the index than say whole wheat bread or whole grains you know like that's a little bit lower and personally i prefer that anyways that kind of bread anyways so good for me based on the food you're eating you're able to count how many carbs are in the meal and how many units of insulin you need to cover that meal another thing is splitting a dose which i've talked about before say i want to take 55 percent of a dose now and then the other 45 percent in like two hours because i'm eating something that's going to release the glucose over a certain amount of time and I don't want it and I don't want the insulin to start working immediately because then I'm going to hit a low you know so you can split up the dough so that it gets you before you eat and then like an hour or two after you eat so that it's ready to go and it helps you avoid both a low blood sugar and a high blood sugar that's my favorite feature of like an insulin pump it's so much harder when you're doing it with insulin pens I mean it's still possible but with insulin pump, it just does it automatically. Like if you tell it like split dose and you tell it how to split it and then it does it. You don't have to remember like two hours later, be like, oh shit, I need to go put in that second half. So for example, let's say I'm eating chicken, sweet potatoes, and broccoli. 
Okay, broccoli, like we said, high fiber, low carb. Chicken, virtually no carbs. High protein though. Sweet potato, high carb. But it was like medium GI. So you take all of that into account and say the sweet potato is like half a cup, that's gonna be, let's say like 30 grams. The broccoli is like four ounces, that'll be like five grams. Chicken, virtually no carbs, right? So we're looking at, what did I say? Like 35 grams of carbs. So then you split that with your insulin do- a ratio. So my insulin ratio currently during the day is one to six. So I would do 35 divided by six, which I don't know off the top of my head. It's probably like close to six though because six times six is 36. Okay, so say it's like 5.85 or something. Then that's how much insulin I need to give my body. And when you're on insulin pens, at least the pens I'm using, there is no like end a half or like half marks like that. Like it's just like the next integer number. So I would have to say like six units, you know, I would round it up to six units. On my insulin pump, however, I can do specific units. So for a meal like that, I would put in the insulin all at once because I know that the sweet potato is going to raise my blood sugar, but not to a point where it's like I'm going to meet a low or a big high. So I can put my insulin right before, I can put my insulin before I eat. I tend to do 15 to 30 minutes before I eat if I can, if time permits, of course. You know, sometimes that doesn't always happen and that's perfectly fine. But when I can, I try to do that at least 15 minutes, like 30 minutes is a while. I remember when I was first diagnosed, I was like so strict on the 15 minutes and my family would always start eating without me. And like, that sounds kind of sad, but it's okay because they didn't, they were learning too and you know, it's fine. Who wants to wait to eat when the food's like right in front of you? It's like, it's going to be cold by the time you're ready, right? But you know, you live and you learn. (laughs) Okay. So that's kind of what insulin is and what it does for your body. And so for those of you who are non-diabetic, your body naturally produces insulin and it does all of this cool fun stuff for you without you even having to think about it. Diabetics are constantly thinking about this. There is not a second that goes by that I'm not thinking about how my body is doing. I mean, it sounds obsessive and it can be sometimes, honestly. But the thing is that I have to make decisions by the minute. Decisions that my body should make by itself, but it doesn't because of this autoimmune disease. I basically am not only taking care of my health in general, but I'm also assuming the full-time position of a pancreas and taking care of all the operations that a pancreas is responsible for. So I have to make sure I have enough insulin, make sure my blood sugars are in range, check what food I'm eating, my activity levels, and these decisions are made every minute, depending on how my blood sugar is looking, if I'm in range, if I'm out of range, if I need more, if I need less. It's never ending, and I know how stressful that sounds. All the time, I hear, well, lazy people could never be diabetics, or, oh, I can never be a diabetic. I can never do that. Oh my gosh, I don't know how you do that. Um, Basically, because my life depends on it. If I'm not making these decisions, there's no one else that can. My body will start to break down. It'll start to fail. And I can risk going into diabetic ketoacidosis again. I can end up in the hospital. I can end up in a diabetic coma. I can end up with a bunch of things. And I don't want that. 
So next time someone tells you they're a type 1 diabetic, please don't give them a little pity side, like a head twist saying, mm, I'm sorry. Like, you should be proud of them because everything that they do every single day of their lives is incredible. I wish everyone could at least try being a diabetic for one day just to see what it was really like. And not with this insulin pump stuff. Like, I want you guys using the pens. And actually, you know what? Three days. One day with needle and vial, the second day with the pens, and then the third day with the pump. I would love to see how that goes. <laughs> I know so many people in my life who are just like, I could never, ever do that. Like, I remember when I was, I don't even know when it was, but um, at one point, like, someone in my family told me, like, oh, thank God it was you because none of us would have been strong enough to do it. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily be thankful for this, but I guess, I mean, it's definitely changed my life a lot. Not necessarily all in bad ways, but it's not easy every day, and it can be heavy sometimes, and I just want all my diabetic besties to know that they're not alone that if you ever need someone to talk to, I really am here for you. I promise. Now let's talk about some crazy insulin nightmare stories so we can kind of pick up the mood. Okay. So once, like, sometime last year, I went out to lunch with my parents and I was on, I was on an insulin pump at the time, but I had a vial of insulin on me and I had it in a cup of ice but then the ice started to melt so we took it down to the restaurant mm -hmm. and I put it in a cup of ice there at the restaurant and so we're having a good old time you know the food's delicious I'm enjoying it I'm drinking my diet coke having a good time and then we leave and approximately 30 minutes later I realized that I left the vial of insulin in the cup of ice at the restaurant. And now you're probably thinking like, why didn't you just turn back? Why don't you just go, to, go get another vial? Hmm. If only it was that easy. My parents were in a rush. We couldn't turn back. And as for getting another one, it's really not that easy. With the way that insurance works, like you can't get more than you're prescribed. And if there's an emergency, maybe if you're lucky, they'll give you something, but it's not guaranteed. I mean, there was one point where I was, like, I was almost sent to the hospital instead of my pharmacy giving me, like, enough for at least a day, you know? Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, it was a horrible experience. I felt so bad because my parents were, they were angry in, like, the way that it's, like, people get mad when they're scared, you know? Yeah. But anyways, don't leave your insulin at a restaurant. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Another time... I went to go pick up a box of insulin pens from the pharmacy and I was with my parents and we were going to go to Costco after the pharmacy and I was like asking my mom oh can we just stop at the house please like I want to drop off the insulin pens put them in the fridge and she was like no they'll be fine don't worry in my head in my heart I knew that they would not be but I can't say anything to my mom I can't argue with her so there we are, Costco. You know, I love Costco. Costco's great. Samples are delicious. Um, we get back to the car and then some pens were in there for probably an hour. 
Yes, my diabetic friends, I know your hearts are breaking right now. I was in panic mode the whole time because I just was so nervous. I was like, what is going to happen to these pens? Are they going to be okay? I really don't know. I mean, luckily the car was in the shade, but still, it was not good. We get home, I throw them in the fridge, and then a couple days later, I needed to use one. And my blood sugar was spiking all day long. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I'm using insulin. I'm drinking water. I literally went for two walks. Like, why is this not working? The insulin pens were damaged by the sun. And yeah, that happens. Heat damage is bad for insulin pens. And that's when they're unopened. Once you open your insulin pen, you can keep it at room temperature. Don't expose it to extreme heat, though, ever. My God. But I was so sad. An entire box of insulin pens is like $500, $600. That was $500-$600 wasted. My heart is breaking right now because I know that that is a lot and so many people would kill to have that insulin. So if you're a parent of a type 1 diabetic, a friend of a type 1 diabetic, or you're a type 1 yourself, please, whatever you do, prioritize getting your insulin in the fridge. <laughs> take care of your insulin, take care of your medicine, take care of yourself. And also, once you open insulin, it can be used for like a 28-day window, and then after that, it just doesn't work as effectively. And that'll also start to mess with your blood sugars. Alrighty. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed those stories. <laughs> I also really hope y'all were able to learn more about insulin. I truly cannot live without it. My health is dependent on it. And unfortunately, as we've discussed, insulin is incredibly expensive. I am super lucky to have good insurance that covers my medications, and I know that's not accessible for everyone. I urge you all to continue to learn more about insulin and other life-saving drugs that these big farm companies price at astronomical rates for no reason. I didn't choose to be a type 1 diabetic. This is like the last thing I would have asked for. I remember the doctor in the hospital literally saying like, oh, it's just the luck of the draw. I don't know if it's lucky per se, but the analogy works. And I didn't choose to be dependent on insulin. And anyone who is should not be punished for it. We didn't ask for this. Next episode, I want to discuss this further. And we need to dissect this big farm enemy and what we can all do to help better the situation. Regardless of whether you're a type 1 or not, I hope that you'll listen and feel inclined to help type 1 diabetics. Well, that's all I have to say for today. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you all. I hope you're able to subscribe to the podcast, give it a like, rate it five stars, leave me a comment, and I'll talk to you next week. XOXO, your diabetic bestie. Mm-hmm.